Welcome, everyone, to Anarchy in Space. I'm Nikki P. here, as always, with my brother from another mother, Eric Kyler. How are we doing today, Eric? Uh, doing pretty good. Pretty good. We're we're both here representing the big red beards that no one can see because this is an audio podcast. Well, mine is mostly red. There is a big patch of white right here on the old chin. My 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 white's coming up in here Aww. on the sides, and I pull them out as soon as I see them. Mostly because I'm a sociopath and I like the way it feels. <laughs> yeah, I don't get the whole I'm going to cover up my gray hair. It was really cool in my 30s because then I had like two stripes of gray, kind of yeah. a la Orson Welles, and then it closed up. Oh, good old Orson Welles. Yeah, I love the I love those. Is it the Family Guy bit? Yeah. Oh, peas, delicious peas. <laughs> One of my favorite Orson Welles things of all time was like the outtakes of this uh, champagne commercial that he was doing where he got completely plastered and was trying to do lines for it. And it's hysterical. It's fucking hilarious, which is which is what that the, that family guy joke is about. Is that very yeah. specific? Orson Welles seemed like an interesting guy. <laughs> and like considering his past, man, like he was a really interesting guy. He's also far more contemporary than I thought he was. Like I assumed he died like 100 years before I was fucking born. No, he was... Still kicking, I think, all the way up until the 1980s. And that's also because I confuse him with H.G. Wells. Yeah. They're not the same guy, but but they e- both no, equally totally have their, their marks in history. Yep. And speaking of marks in history, I just finished up book eight of The Expanse this week. Reading far ahead Oh, what's good, going on in the show. Good God, man. <laughs> I can, and I cannot fucking wait till book nine. It's killing me. Yeah. Where the shit's going, I, I want to know. And there is some... There are some dark things afoot. The, <laughs> the, the, the way they choose to end the epilogue to book eight. Ah, man. One hell of an exchange between Amos and uh, fucking uh, Holden. Now, have you come across anything in the books that you're a little concerned on how they're going to film that for the show if they get to that point? Okay. Well, they're, 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 no, no, I'm not concerned. They'll make it work. But there is something that they're going to have to deal with. And they're going to have to deal with it relatively soon because um, book seven and eight for sure. Like, I get the impression book seven takes place at least 30 years into the future. Yeah. Book eight takes place, like, another 10 years after that, I get the impression. Yeah. So, like, they're definitely aging. Yeah. Like, they're 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 kind of old people when you get to the end of it. I don't know how much of that really matters in, like, the scope of the story. It may, It matters in, like, to me in a sense of, like, kind of watching how governments develop. Yeah. But, you know, I'm sure they'll figure something out of it. You got to they get a couple years. Maybe the actors will just like honestly, they'll probably just age them up a little bit. Yeah. Or or just completely ignore that part of the story and have them just be you know everything kind of happening very linearly. Yeah. Hire the guy from the Marvel who uh, aged up all the other actors. You know. They they could choose to do that. That would be an interesting choice. It'd be a lot of fucking work because I mean like it's literally just they they're old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, more of the characters make it to the end of the story than I thought would. Like I genuinely, I genuinely expected uh, some earlier die off on some of them. So they didn't pull off a Joss Whedon or a George R. R. Martin style. I'm going to kill off your favorite characters. <laughs> um, they do kill off one of them, but they're also not a character that's there from the beginning, anyways. Yeah, they're one of the things that actually is interesting in the books. That's not like the cast of characters is a bit larger in the books, 
And they actually kind of combine a few characters into smaller number of characters in the um, TV show. Yeah. Like Kamina Drummer is actually like, I think a combination of two characters from the, the books. And it works out fine. She she sadly wasn't in much of book eight, which kind of bugged me. I don't think she's dead or anything. She just wasn't in it. But I think she'll be more, I think, I have a feeling she's going to be in the next one. And book nine is going to be the last one. They've already said that. So at least I have that to look forward to. It's supposed to be out this year. And I imagine they're probably working extra hard on that considering, you know, everyone's currently locked at home. So yeah, get that fucker out. Get people reading it. But anyways, we are we're not in book eight here. We are actually on episode nine of season one. And boy, what an episode it was when like they once they got things rolling, man, the speed does not let up. Yeah. So what they did in this episode, you and me were joking before we started recording that it was a little odd because you start watching it and you're like, wait, like everything that's happening time wise happened like in the past. You've got it opens up with Miller talking to Lady Cop. And then after that, all of a sudden, we're just seeing a bunch of stuff with uh, Julie Mao. Yeah. And on the Anubis. And she's clearly very alive, and we know that that ship was not alive when last we saw it. So we've, we've got a right. bunch of shit that's happening in the past. Yeah, it was almost confusing to the point where I, I thought I had started the wrong episode. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, no, they're just doing a backtrack. <laughs> yeah, and they're not very clear about it. I will give you, I will give you that. It was it was not, like, I'm kind of, I did the same thing. I'm like, did I accidentally, like, no, because none of this happened. I, I've, I've, we've. I have a record of talking about all of the episodes thus far, and I don't remember yeah. talking about this, and I would have <laughs> talked about all of it. So, yeah, Miller is kind of, I'm going to be honest, I didn't see a whole ton of reason for them to do that other than maybe to kind of, they had something in mind that they wanted to do stylistically with the show, but, like, everything that was there was kind of handled before, I thought. Am I, was I, am I missing something in that? Um, the only thing I can think of is that, that maybe they were trying to show, like, from Julie Mao's perspective and just kind of backtrack a little bit maybe catch everybody up before the season finale. Well, and I know uh, the Julie Mouse stuff, I understand why that put there, but like all the stuff with uh, Miller and Lady Cop, I don't entirely get because I feel like we got all that already. Yeah, that was a that was a little bit of an odd choice. And maybe it was just to kind of, maybe it was just to give it a sense of place for when they got to the Julie Mouse stuff that we could realize that, that that had all happened in the past because we're seeing other stuff in the past. Right. Maybe that was it. Yeah, but you can always do that with the, you know, four months ago at the bottom of the screen or whatever. You know, the one thing I'm not sure if they did, you can tell me if they did, with Miller specifically says to Lady Cop, whatever it is, Julie Mao is connected to all of this. What happened out there on the, you know, the Mars and Scapuli and all that, she's connected somehow. I just know it. Yeah. And, you know, as it will turn out, she is. (laughs) We finally get, like, a sense of who our big bad guy is in this. And they they build that up a little bit with... uh, Julie's character. Yeah. And we kind of start, like, they start really filling in the blanks with who she is. And, like, it it seems like small stuff, but, like, man, she is a key to so much of what's going on. You know, they show the scenes of her trying to contact Dawes. Yeah. They, you know, through character dialogue, you find out that, you know, she, she's living her life as if she's a belter. She's clearly not. Yeah, she she's was mil was a militant who used to race fucking uh, you know was a famous racing you know ship racer the yeah. Razorback as it was called and and the guys that she's talking to that she's working with for the OPA you know like man he used to he was such a hot racer a hot lady too you know <laughs> yeah not too bad on the eyes that Julie Mal no she's not and so you have this she's a young girl and I, I just imagine like all those girls that go off to college and kind of 
you know, are radicalized by the elements there. And that's essentially what she is. Yeah. But she also happens to be the daughter of a very wealthy person, which would essentially be, you know, like being the fucking daughter of whoever the CEO of Boeing is. Yeah. And so she has been radicalized and sees her father as being basically the big evil bad guy that's perpetuating war through everyone in the fucking galaxy. Yeah. And so she is taking this her mission to help Anderson Dawes go and stop whatever it is. She doesn't know what it is. She just knows her dad's yeah. working on something. And she needs to put an end to it because whatever it is, yeah. it's a weapon and we need less weapons. Yeah, the dad is kind of definitely profiteering off of it. So Yeah, and I will say that her dad is a far more complex character than maybe we, we give him here in this first season. But he's still a pretty fucking shitty guy. I mean, he's yeah, he is definitely... If not, like, he's the stand-in for this world's equivalent of the rich, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I was picking up more of a Donald Rumsfeld vibe off of him myself, there, but well, yeah. <laughs> see, and, and honestly, the Donald Rumsfeld character, I think we we learn more about perhaps later in season two. Yeah. Because there is a, what I would classify as a Donald Rumsfeld character. <laughs> and we've we've met him already. We just don't know he's that character yet. Oh, okay. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> um, think think people have us all talks to. Yeah. Speaking of which, that is a weird thing. I think uh, book in book eight that that is a character that does die. Oh, okay. Like, and it starts off basically at her funeral, but that only makes sense because age wise, like she just would have been fucking a billion years yeah, old by that. By that, yeah. <laughs> like. Holden is is a gray-haired old man by that point. Yeah. So Havasarala clearly fucking dead. <laughs> they are their characters revered interestingly in the uh in the books. Like she's different somehow and I can't quite put a finger on it, but she's still fun. She's she's kind of just like this old bitch that everyone loves and hates. Yeah, the old battle axe. <laughs> and maybe and maybe it's because we've been focusing on season one, which is so much of her just kind of playing politics. Right. And you and we haven't gotten a chance to see her be human yet. I do think they develop that more in the future. But right now she's just kind of a fucking bitch politician. That's all she is. <laughs> so speaking of which, you know, she has her moment in this uh this episode where she shows up at her the home of the man that she got killed. Yeah. And has to look her his fucking husband in the eye and say, you know, I you know, I just want to kind of pay my respects, you know, and he lets her despite like you get the you get the impression that this is a guy who's done politics his whole life because yeah. he is very clear that, you know, according to Frank, you were you were a fucking annoying little child that he he couldn't help but love because he was friends with your father. I don't have that relationship with you, bitch, so <laughs> you do what the fuck you gotta do and you get the hell out of my house. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It was definitely cold. Well, it, it it was just someone who you could clearly tell had been in politics their whole life and just knew how to get the point across without being overly emotional about it. And I, I did like that. And go figure, what does she do when she's in the house? Other than fucking steal a bunch of shit and try and cop imp- information. Like, you, you think for a moment, okay, maybe there is some humanity in her at this moment. And then you find, oh, no, she's just here to fucking case the joint. Pretty much. And that kind of pissed me off. Like, you, you really, you're really, really not liking that character at this point. Yeah. So that happens. Julie, once we get past, like, kind of introducing who her character is, we we see something else happen. And I can't, I can't remember how exactly it happens, but it's uh, 
they actually go through and they they attack the ship that has the you know the, the scopula I think it is right that's the one there right they attack the scopuli, which is has whatever the weapon is and they don't know yet and there's an interesting moment when they're talking about it you know and he's like because the one guy next to her is like oh hey they're scientists man don't be crazy and she's like no if they're my dad's they'll fight yeah in which they do that was a pretty telling uh, line too she goes if they're my father's men they will kill you you know yeah like he's not gonna fuck around. Yeah, there may be scientists, but the only reason they're working for him is because they're they're down for the cause. Right. So they they get on the ship. All all hell breaks loose, and I think she she's like taken prisoner essentially. Pretty much. Um, they just they couldn't they there wasn't enough of them to deal with what her father had prepared for. But while all that happens, there were some containment issues with whatever they were carrying. <laughs> Eventually, she's kind of like, well, why has nobody kind of come back to kill me or do whatever with me? And so she breaks out of confinement, and as she's walking through the ship, she notices, like, this blue fucking liquid yeah. coming out of one of them. And she's kind of like, what the fuck is this? She, t- she touches it. And I really like this moment. You know, I, t- I was talking about it with Liz, and I'm like, the thing that's cool about this is because this is a very important moment. This is the moment she sealed her fate. Yeah. And they completely ignore it. Yeah. That's when she became infected. Yeah. She stepped in it, but she didn't realize it. Yet. Yeah. What you then see is eventually she's like, well, there's nobody here. What the fuck's going on? No one's like, let, like I can't get comms out. So she ends up going and cutting into the reactor core because it's fucking locked off for some reason. What does she find in there? She just sees a whole bunch of this blue shit that she just touched and a bunch of bodies yeah. like, being absorbed into it. One still screaming. Yeah, yeah. At which point, I think she screams, whatever. It's it's a really powerful moment. Like, we're seeing, oh, fuck. Like, we're really seeing what the <laughs> fuck this is at this point. Like, this is becoming all too real. Yeah. And shit got real real quick. <laughs> even more real knowing that they're in a room where somebody who is infected by this is, is just kind of hanging out. What does that mean? Yeah. So, after all this, we find ourselves back on Eros. And they kind of, they're kind of setting up this, like, weird interim. Like, she escapes from the scopuli, like manages to take one of their, their the oh god, not the, one of the ships for the um, the other ship that she was on. Well, she takes one of the cruisers and finds her way back to Eros. Right, and sick as fuck, but like manages to find a room and leave. Kind of as she puts, a, yeah, it was the uh, Anubis like lifeboat type thing. Yeah, okay, that's, that's for, I mean, so many ships, man. Yeah, <laughs> the Anubis. It's hard to keep track of. <laughs> it is a little bit. Um, and such a, it's such a weird claustrophobic show too, because like everything yeah. is inside. It's certainly in the, these beginning episodes. Season four, you will get outside a little bit, and there's a little bit more of it in three. But but right now, like everything is literally just in these tight confined spaces, and there's a lot of people in a lot of them. Yeah. So she gets there, and she she's like kind of trying freaking out. She just feels like shit, and then all of a sudden she starts noticing lesions on her body. Yeah. And then starts putting pieces together. She notices all of a sudden, like, she's kind of really into the lights. And, like, the lights are kind of making everything start fucking glow. Yeah. Or kind of itch or whatever it is. And so eventually she destroys all of the lights in her room. Yeah. And just kind of, I, I, this is such a, the, 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 for a character, it must have been so much fun to play. But she goes, drags her ass off into the, the bathroom. And it's kind of, she's fucking nude there. And you can see, like, she's being taken over by all this shit. Like, her yeah. titties are all fucking just covered in this shit. Yeah, she was uh, definitely in a bad way. And uh, you could tell whatever it was was definitely spreading all over. Yeah, there was no hope for her at this point, yeah. whether or not she knows it. And and you get to see, like, her, 
you get to see her last breaths and you can feel the regret that she has. Yeah. You know, because I think there was a certain degree in which she was just playing revolutionary, whether or not she believed it. And when it's all said and done, she just fucking wanted to go back and see her ship again. Yeah. Just wanted to go and race. You know, that's how how the hell did I find myself here? She feels very dejected because Anderson Dawes isn't re- returning her phone calls. Like, what the fuck's up? Right. And there is a degree to which, why, what is that all about? Yeah, there's a little something there, isn't there? <laughs> so we have uh, another thing. We find out specifically what Fred Johnson was up to with all that information because he kind of left us with that cliffhanger. Like, what's he know? What is he finding out that they're not telling us in the show? Right. And so it shows him preparing a speech and then giving a speech that's being shipped out to everybody. It's just yeah. Mars, Earth, all of, all of it. Where he lays out that the ships that attacked the Donager were made on Earth. Yep. And he he posits, he's like, they're going to try and blame this all on me. Yeah. It's fucking nothing to do with me. They're on their way here to arrest me. And I have the proof from the Donager that th- this is where the ships came from. Oh, yeah. By, your, by the way, while you're watching this, here is all the proof that I'm talking about. And, yeah. And he said, you can go through all this data yourself and and, and verify it. But, but here you go. At which point, Havas Rala is... <laughs> Yeah. piecing this together because she was actually just turned down to find out the data like she she was trying to find out like i, I got this information from frank about these these ships with these drive signatures yeah and and even in the black ops shit they weren't showing up right so she's like what the fuck was made on earth that i can't find yeah if anybody had access it was obviously yeah and and he and the thing is is that fred johnson is showing very clearly that these ships were in fact made uh at a u.n naval base yeah. <laughs> and and she's watching this all in real time, thinking, fuck, what the hell's going on? Like, it's like, now I have a problem. <laughs> we tried to pin this on Mars and now it's kind of getting pinned on us. And I don't think we have anything to do with it. But I think, I think this is kind of going to be the start of a wedge being driven between her and like what, what, what what's going on on Earth. Yeah. Now, as with everything, it, it kind of all comes back to we do know that, that who is involved in it, at least in part. So clearly, somebody has friends in high places. Obviously, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Mao. Um, but we don't know who on his end. Like, they're made on a naval base. Clearly, this is a project or whatever of his. Yeah. So we find ourselves back all of a sudden to, you know, we've got Miller and the Rossinate crew discovering Julie. They got the fuck out of there. They're there. You see a very, very awful state of uh, Julie. Miller is definitely having some difficulty dealing with what he found. Yeah. But he's not so stupid that he goes grabbing up the body and shit, which is yeah, good, <laughs> to say the least. It's like, obviously, she's got crystals growing out of her mouth. Maybe I don't need to be next well, to this. <laughs> and they do have to, they do something interesting here. They've seeded that this may, this may not be an issue, or that this may be more of an issue than that, because if you remember, Julie was coughing up a bunch of blue dust earlier. Yeah. Giving you the impression that this may or may not be airborne. We don't know yet. Yeah. So they kind of they kind of seeded that there and I like that. But they're like, look, with what we left downstairs, she's not alive. We need to get the fuck out of here before those reinforcements arrive. And now we've got even more dead bodies we gotta fucking explain. Yeah. Which is usually Amos's answer. So let's get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Which he was right in this case. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> And so they're headed downstairs, and all of a sudden they run into Black Cop, who's fucking like, now they're in a standoff. Yeah. And he, he initially sees the crew of the Ross and he's, what the fuck are you all doing? And, blah, you know. Yeah. And then Miller kind of comes out of it. And this is weird to me. This is kind of like shitty writing, I think, because I don't feel like they 
set the relationship up for this to make sense where he just says she's dead and then walks past the fucking black cop. The black cop just lets him. He just lets him past. Yeah. Wants to find out the girl's dead. I, I didn't get that. Yeah. He's standing in a room full of dead bodies he's going to have to explain. Yeah. And this dude just fucking drops a fucking pile of shit on his lap and, and justifies it by like the girl that he was into. Did the guy, did, did that guy even know that he was interested in the girl? Like, did they establish that? Yeah. Not really. I did find it was a little bit like clunky writing. Yeah. yeah. It's like, and, and, and all right. it, it, out of eight episodes, that's probably the clunkiest thing I've seen. Yeah. So I'm not going to, it needed to happen. I'm not going to, I'm not going to <laughs> fucking reject the show for one fucking scene that lasts all of 30 seconds. But you can send all your hate mail to nickbacone.com and uh, please do. Please do. <laughs> I love reading mail and uh, I will just send you pictures of my cock back. So nice. Um, <laughs> So you got all this going on. Now, all of a sudden, th- that black guy, they, they get the fuck out of there. And then this other dude shows up. Yeah. This scientist dude with the other, the new police. Yeah. And, he, and he's like, yo, I got fucking jurisdiction here. What the fuck are you doing here? He's like, yeah, no, we own you. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, basically. Yeah. And so they kind of, that guy goes up and you see him. This is where you actually first see Julie's dad for the first time because that scientist guy takes a fucking sample yeah. from Julie and calls him. He's like, we got enough here. We're all, we're all good. Yeah. And you're kind of piecing together what's been going on here. So the guy's like, I, the guy is, the scientist is just a fucking lunatic, clearly. He apologizes to Mal. He's in the most like, oh yeah, I don't give a shit, but your daughter's dead and yeah. it probably sucks for you. And they they play play it off that Mao still cares about like he cares about his business clearly and perhaps more than his daughter but it's, he's not without like noticing that sucks yeah and you can tell he feels it just you know maybe not enough to warrant giving up on his cause yeah you're not gonna see him shed a whole bunch of tears over it yeah but but he it clearly affects him yeah so she's fucking you know dead and apparently there's something going on. That they're going to get a culture from her. Yeah. So whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Next thing you know, the crew of the Rossi and Miller, they're skedaddling out of there and they're trying to decide what to do next. Amos has a good idea. Let's just get the hell off this rock. Yeah, get the fuck off of here. So like, get in the <laughs> ship and leave. And Holden notices Miller like is trying to go after somebody. And so Miller, he, he's following him. He sends the crew off. He's like, I got to handle this. Whatever, whatever. He has answers. We have answers. We got to figure this shit out. And the only way that happens is if we're all in the same right. place. So I got to get him with us. And Miller is clearly not interested in getting on that ship. At least not now. Yeah. So he goes and basically starts a fight with a bunch of fucking cops. <laughs> yeah. To find out who the fuck the scientist guy is. Yeah. And that's just where we start finding out that the these guys are members of OPA, like Golden Bow specifically, I think is the one that this guy was involved with. Right. Um if if they if we haven't talked about it yet, there's a bunch of factions of the outer OPA. Yeah, they uh touch on that a little bit more in the second season. It, it it's a big deal throughout the series, even even in later series is because, you know, basically these are all rival gangs. Yeah. It occurred to me I forgot something. So we for, we forgot the explosion. Yes. That both the Miller notices pretty quickly was planned. And so before the guard thing, we, we see that they're corralling people and they're giving them, they say there's a, a radiation issue and they're trying to inoculate them. So they're giving all these people shots. Yeah. Which is never going to be good. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to see that a little bit here when we got Bill Gates going around saying, Hey, yeah, it reminded me very, very much of those cruise lines that were just floating around the, uh, <laughs> off of ports for a couple months there. We just, well, we know they got coronavirus on here. Let's just see what happens. Yeah. They can't pour it. We can't let people get it. And like, yes, 
petri dish. Let's just study these these closed <laughs> off environments and see what happens. So, it, it essentially, when he's talking to the Golden Bow dude, the soldier, he finds out that like they came in and just started hiring the fuck out of these guys like a couple months ago, right? And giving them lots of money. And they, and most of what they've been doing has been installing sensors and uh, video equipment. Yeah observation stuff yeah so we're getting oh, oh shit based on what we were hearing the scientists talk about with, with daddy mao yeah and what we just put together they're planning on turning this into an experiment yeah. the whole fucking place like it's just they, they've got a closed off closed off environment and they want to see something that happens so holden and miller run off after they after they fucking kill this guy yeah they run off to find out where the fuck they're taking all these people that are what do they call it they're they they say they're taking them to like shuttles or something to be, they're trying to help these people. They say yeah, and when they find out find all these people like they've they've shut off, they're not allowed to uh, the ships or whatever. Oh well, we don't have any more room for you people. Yeah, and that's causing some problems. And as it usually does. Yeah, yeah, usually Miller and uh, I'm trying to get, try not to get there's two stories going on because now once we have people separated again, it's always yeah. fucking confusing. <laughs> The crew of the Rocinante kind of realizes, oh, shit, they've locked down our ship. We can't get on it. We need to figure something out. Right. And they're kind of about to be in the thick of it with all these people and chaos breaking out. The cops shoot somebody and shit gets fucked up real fast. Yeah. Then a firefight begins. Yes. There was a firefight. <laughs> See, they're kind of trying to figure out all that. Meanwhile, we're kind of finding our way at the end of, this, the, end of the episode where M- Miller and Holden find where all those people were being taken to. Oh, yes. Nice little closet out of the way. <laughs> and we just see a pile of fucking bodies just all laying on top of each other. Nobody fucking noticing what's going on. And they're all stuffed in this fucking room. And all of a sudden you see, you hear some some kind of protocol comes on and a bunch of light. Yeah. Zing. Yeah. And they get the fuck out of the room. And as they're backing out, they see, you know, Holden sees the radiation thing on the side. of like, what the fuck just happened? Yeah. And they realized they just got zapped with a whole fuck ton of radiation. Yeah. Even Holden said, we are dead. Yeah. It's just, we're dead. Yeah. Which will become a thing. We're not sure, not sure how soon that all becomes up, but Miller and Cancer is kind of a, not Miller, um, Holden and Cancer is kind of a big, one of the overarching narratives of the show. So whatever happened in there, like it's set things in motion for the rest of the, rest of the, the series. <laughs> and what the fuck are all these people doing in here? So this is, this was clearly not the entire part of the experiment. Was this the control? What is this? What What's really going on here? We don't fucking know. We just know. Right. Eros is about to become a, one big science experiment. Yeah. One big Petri dish that someone wants to watch. Yeah. They want to see what the fuck happens. So all in all, like, it's a, it's a really fucking fast-paced, interesting episode. Lots of shit happening, and we're finally getting a lot of, a lot of things answered. It's, it's a really good penultimate episode to a season. Right. It was definitely a good buildup for what's about to happen at the end here. Yeah, and if I remember correctly, like the the pace does not exactly slow down in that last episode because I'm trying to remember yeah. how the fuck they squeeze everything that's got to happen into that episode. Yeah, but one of the best lines ever happened is when they're asking the cop why he uh, decided to go dirty and then the cop just says, I decided to straighten up, you know, <laughs> indicating that. You know. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, and, and there's a few moments in here where you're like, you definitely get a sense of Miller he's never going to get past the fact that he thinks of himself as being the justified lawman. Right. I mean, and he has no fucking problem killing people for his causes. Like I, I, he just lives as if his entire life is qualified immunity. Yeah. Pretty much. He's (laughs) fucking 
fights people and does not give a shit what's going on. He was making furtive movements towards his belt line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I just think of fucking the Daniel Shaver video anytime I hear that. Yeah. And then I get really, really angry. If you haven't heard of Daniel Shaver, folks, and you want to get pissed off, go uh, go watch some, some videos. Yeah. So uh, is there anything else that I missed in there? Because I'm like, God, this... It was, there's was a lot going on, and like, even like I said, even as we were going through it, I stumbled a couple times and a few things I missed. Yeah, it was definitely a lot jammed into 43 minutes of uh, TV. So, God, 43 minutes is that they managed to get all of it into 43 fucking minutes. How is that not exactly. like one of the hour and 10 minute episodes? <laughs> yeah, uh, why don't you give us the tech specs and we'll let everybody go today? All right, well, the title of this episode was called Critical Mass, which uh, it sure was. Yes. <laughs> uh, directed by Terry McDonough and uh, written by Robin Veith, who did the uh, the last episode. It was uh, released February 2nd, Groundhog Day on uh, 2016. Nice. And uh, this one took a little bit of a ratings dip from the last episode. and had like a 0.555 rating to it. It doesn't even make sense. The episode was so fucking good. Like, <laughs> Yeah. It's like the one before. He's like, okay, we're definitely setting it up for something big to happen, but it took a little ratings drop. Yeah, like they give you a good cliffhanger, a really good release on this. I, I some of these numbers, you you understand. Like, I get why it got got canceled. Yeah, but in the same vein, you're like, what the fuck is wrong with people? I think this. I think I think this show is just a matter. Like, it, it's its fate was sealed by the fact that people just don't consume television the same anymore. Right, and <laughs> even the rating systems, it's all like. What's going on live? They don't take into account what gets DVR'd and exactly. Well, because it's about on it's about the TV advertising, so they don't give a shit. Like they really yeah. don't care who watches the show. That's not what they're about. They're about who is at this place at this time, so we can put these advertisements in front of them. Yeah. So let me just tell Madison Avenue right now: appointment television viewing is dead. Yeah. Give it the fuck up. Yeah. Dude, I, I, there's so many, even even with podcasters, I'm like, they all have these set times that they do them and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm not going to go to your website and watch at a, a specific time. Now, if you want to do that, that's fine. But like, yeah. don't don't pretend that, that I, I want to do that. Yeah. You're not going to catch me doing a live episode. You know, I may go live on Periscope and stuff here from here to there. But the I have one show that we do go live and it's because occasionally we actually do get people that stumble in. Yeah. Um, And the free market screeners, we're live. Mondays at 10 and it's mostly just because it's really easy to do yeah I just go live to Facebook and that's it yeah um and zoom it's just clicking an extra button or two for the most part pretty much <laughs> so it's like <laughs> why not it's way too much effort for like peace freaks because yeah fucking I'm gonna watch that but sometimes it's 10 o'clock eastern in the middle of the night people are looking for shit to watch <laughs> they should be watching the expanse <sighs> they fucking should be <laughs> and 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 you can tell because like dude I mean it's not like the show does not have it's it has its following it managed to get picked up by uh, by Amazon, and people are watching it. Like I know the numbers are yeah pretty tasty for them. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like you know, it, it sucks to imagine. Like, dude, imagine if Firefly had existed now as opposed to when it was, and it could have gotten picked up by a oh way bigger show. Yeah. Oh my god! Like it has such a fan base that like I, most of them didn't even know it existed. Right. Like I never I never watched Firefly until a fucking decade after it was on because I had never heard of it. Yeah, most people didn't even realize it was a thing until the movie Serenity came out. Exactly. And you're like and then they wanted to go back and watch it. Yeah, and then you find out oh shit, they canceled one of the fucking greatest shows. Yeah. Now Joss Whedon's a tool, but oh, the biggest. But goddamn, that show was good, and and like for such a fucking lefty, it has some of the most libertarian moments ever. Like, yeah, it's like some of them. It's like, okay, are you reading your own writing? You know, can you not understand that, dude? Rick and Morty, I feel the same way about fucking Dan Harmon 
Yeah, Dan Harmon is another one that just drives me up the wall. Like you literally wrote one of the most libertarian characters ever, and you are a fucking tool. <laughs> like, I, I don't even understand this. Like you, he openly hates his audience. Yeah, which is you know something that's been going on in comic books too. But oh well, I'll send everybody over to Eric July's way for the his, uh, YouTube channel for that. Yeah, my my guy's Gary at Nerdrotic. Yeah. but they, they there's some inter intermingling there. Yeah. Did you watch? Did you watch uh, Gary when he was on? Uh, yeah. It was a good episode. I, I, I want them to spend more time because Gary's like so close. He's so good on so much, but he's just not quite there. I'm like, come on, Eric, yeah. get Gary on our team. Yeah. Do it for me. <laughs> <laughs> but all right. Well, that was once again, episode nine of season one of The Expanse. Only one episode left yep. for this season. And then uh, I think I think I, I've decided we're going to keep going. Let's just fucking let's just keep tear. going. Just go right through. Yeah, go for it. Tear through these bitches because <laughs> I want everyone else to get caught up. There's still plenty to be said. So. Yeah, then we'll tackle <laughs> another show after that. I'm sure. <laughs> oh, dude, some something came up that I, I just the other day. I'm like, oh, I want to watch that. I want to talk about that one too. Like, I really, I really waffled. I'm like, do we go and we talk about that one? Are we going to do something? Now the, the the expanse is ripe enough to talk about. I'm I'm going to yeah. keep following that. Plus, I don't have to go and get Hulu. So yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Eric. Well, you have a good one, everyone listening. Y'all take care. And-